being my first uh, podcast and my first episode, I think it would be very relevant that I introduce myself, okay? So for those of you guys who don't know me, my name is Gabriela X. I live in Mexico and that's why I speak Spanish. Um, and the reason why I'm doing this podcast or the justification or uh, what gives me the, the right to be doing a podcast uh, named Dance Boss Lady, it, I would say that is because I've been dancing for a long, long, long time. I am a world champion, both in salsa and bachata. I have been the leader of the largest and most awarded dance company in the world. Uh, and I'm a world, um, I'm an international judge for the World Latin Dance Cup. I'm a TED Talk speaker. Um, and in terms of uh, uh, academia or academia, uh, I have an engineering degree. I did a master's in robotics and I'm currently doing uh, studies on software engineering. So maybe that doesn't really have a lot to do with uh, being a dance boss lady, but you'll see very soon that it does. <laughs> so, and the reason why I'm doing this podcast is because I have this uh, burning passion uh, in myself, in my heart, to help people follow their dreams. I, I've seen in my career that there's so many people who want to become uh, dancers or want to become something uh, that it seems to be very hard. And I mean, of course, it requires a lot of effort and it requires a lot of sacrifice. But I, one thing that I notice is that a lot of it uh, is mindset, meaning uh, a lot of people don't take the first step or they don't take it with strength because they're, uh, they might be afraid and they might be thinking that they don't deserve to follow their dreams or they might be confused and not even know what their dreams are. So that's the reason why I am making this podcast and at least the first four episodes, I'm going to be giving you guys the keys that I have found uh, to work very well uh, to make an efficient uh, strategy to follow your dreams, okay? so. Basically, I'm going to be giving you strategies that have helped me follow my dreams. But today, I'm going to be talking about the very first one. So I would not say so much like a strategy, but it, this is like a mindset that I adopted a long time ago. And at the beginning, it's not like I thought that I was adopting this mindset or this idea. But it's like when I see it in, in uh, retrospect, uh, when I see from, you know, when I do reverse engineering, I understand that a lot of things I continue doing consistently and systematically, one of them being this that I will be talking about, which is uh, having this idea that I don't have to believe everything and also basically choosing only the messages of society or of biology or of 
the newspapers or of my ideas or of my experience or whatever, only choosing the messages that will empower me, okay? And everything else, ignoring, okay? Ignore all the messages that do not empower you and choose the messages that empower you. As simple as that. I'm going to uh, explain to you uh, different times in my life where this has played a big role and has helped me actually get to the next step. Like, uh, it, it's not like I just move on to the next step. It's like I leap. I've been able to leap and take huge risks by doing this, by not caring about what other people say, but not, not so much not caring, because it's not like I've been a rebel. It's more like I see all the options and I hear people saying, you can't do this, uh, this is impossible, or this cannot be done. And I just choose to not care. And I choose to just go for it. Um, so first of all, I'm going to uh, explain to you, or I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to tell you my story. I, um, I was born in Mexico City. And when I was, uh, but when I was very little, my parents moved us to Tijuana, Mexico, where I grew up. And I started dancing at the age of four. I started dancing ballet and flamenco. And then uh, I've been a dancer all my life. Uh, and then when I went to, when I was already like 18, 17, 18, uh, I decided to go to college. But then in, in Mexico, or at least where I lived, there's still not a career, there's still not a major for dance or being an artist, which is one, one thing that I wanted to do, be. Uh, when I was a kid also, um, like around 11 years old, my parents started sending me out to uh, performing art schools, uh, summer schools in uh, Mexico City or in Spain. So that's, what, that's where like, I went to study more flamenco. And then in Mexico City, I did singing, acting, and, and dancing every single summer, right? So what happened is that uh, I grew up with this, but then I didn't grow up in a place where being an artist was like major or like a career that you can go to school for, right? It's still not, not where I live. I'm gonna change that though. Um, anyway, so when I was 17, 18, I applied to go to school for engineering. And once I was already like, I don't know, like 22, 23, um, I, uh, I thought that I wanted to go to UCLA for my master's in robotics, which is, it's called control systems, but I wanted to do, but, but it's, it's actually robotics, right? So when I, when I decided to go to UCLA, that was the very first time that I, that I applied this principle that I've been talking to you about. So I went to school. In college, I went to a school for undergrad that was a very tiny school. It's a school, uh, funny thing is I'm wearing this shirt that is from that same school because I'm in that school again. Uh, but it's a very uh, small, private 
university uh, that nobody knows about in the rest of the world. Only us know about it. So when I applied to UCLA, I saw in the, you know, they have a, a box where you can enter where you're from. And then based on where you're from, they, they give you the list of universities um, that, they, that they consider that are good universities. Uh, so imagine I'm from Mexico, so that they give me a list of 25 universities to choose from to say that I'm from one of them, right? And I was from neither one of them because they were all like big universities, not like the university that I went to. So the university that I went to was not even there, right? Then uh, when I started telling people that I wanted to go to UCLA, people were always telling me how hard that was. It was just not gonna be possible for me because there was no affirmative action. I couldn't speak uh, English very well. I couldn't write English at all. Uh, and then, I mean, many things, right? It was like, I didn't have a, I did not have um, a student visa. And I was a woman. And then and in those times, this is like uh, late 90s. In the late 90s, uh, women were not thought of as smart. And there was actually no women in in engineering, there was like, it was just always every school that you went to for engineering, there was probably one woman and then everything else was men. So, and then back in the, in the day, they, they were not trying to, to fill up a quota with women. It was just not a thing, you know, it was more like a bad, it was just more like, uh, it was hard for women to get in, you know? So when people would tell me that, I mean, of course, they had a lot of proof and they had a lot of backup in, in their, whatever they were saying, because I mean, it makes a lot of sense, right? You're not gonna just come in into a school such as UCLA and then just apply and then just get accepted, especially when you have all this uh, against you, right? So of course people would say that, but then I decided not to listen. And then I just continued just going for it. So what I did is uh, at this point, I went to use, I went to LA and I moved to LA. Uh, and then I got a job as a programmer in, uh, with a friend, with a friend of a friend who did not ask me for my papers because I didn't have papers. And what I would do is that every time that I had left, aside from being a programmer, I would use it to study. And I would study day and night, day and night, day and night. I would study for the GRE. Uh, so I would study there. And then I would go to UCLA. I think I went to UCLA. I would go like twice a week or something just to check the surroundings, just to check the labs, just to check who I wanted to study with, what were the teachers that I wanted to study under. I'm not really sure what is it that I did. I don't remember that much, but I remember going to UCLA a lot and studying as like acting as if I'm already gonna get accepted. 
So I was doing my research of like, this is where I'm gonna go. This is the school that I'm gonna go to. This is the cafeteria that I'm gonna go to. This is what I'm gonna be doing. And I was like, literally like a crazy person doing that kind of stuff. So one of the things that I did was uh, I saw a pamphlet, like a, a flyer. It was, a, it was like, you know those thrifles? And, and I saw uh, how they had all the labs in the university, in, in the program that I wanted to go to. And I picked one lab and I said, this is the lab that I want to belong to. So I called the director of that lab um, and, and I said, I want to have an interview with you because I want to apply for this career. I want to apply for this master's and I want to work under you uh, because I want to work in your lab. It, it happened that that lab was uh, for, it was, a, it was something like sponsored by, by Ford. They were building, uh, they were building suspensions for, for Ford. Uh, they were building like some equations for suspensions, right? So when I went to uh, have this meeting with this, the, the director of this uh, lab, I went in with like completely fully covered so that he wouldn't see my body and then he wouldn't think that I'm dumb, right? And of course, no makeup. And of course, like I had like a ponytail. It was just like, I just made it look like I'm not a dumb person because you know, pretty equals dumb, right? So I was like, no. Um, then uh, I showed him the, the prototype, no, not a prototype, but a, 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 my thesis for my undergrad. And it was basically a car. It was, a, I had worked my last, my last project was a remote control go-kart that I had built myself from scratch in Mexico, right? So when I went there and I showed it to him, he was very impressed. And he said, listen, this, what you do and what you know is like, it's a lot. Like it's, I understand that because in, in Mexico, you guys don't have the regulations we have here and you have so much, um, he said something about me being like very like disciplined and just very, very persistent in what I wanted. Uh, so he said, do me a favor. If you go and get like at least 90% in your GRE, then uh, let me know because I want to ask for you to be in my lab. So imagine, I'm not even like a good writer at that point. And the GRE is a thing for those of you guys who know, it's, it's not a joke. It's not, first of all, it's like a lot harder than the SATs, a lot harder. Um, and it's, it's more like for science, so it's hard. And when I studied so much for that, I studied so, so much that I got like only three wrong. That's how good I did, how well I did. That's how well I did. Uh, and I only applied to UCLA, only that, and I got accepted. So with this, what am I, uh, what am I telling you? Uh, that if I had listened to every logical reason why I was not going to be able to get in, I would have been right. And I would have completely not applied or not even tried because of course, I was not going to be 
and to make it. Do you see what I mean? Like, of course, there's ev- there's every evidence uh, that I'm not gonna be able to make something. Like, there was every evidence to for me to know that I was never gonna make it. But I chose to ignore that evidence and just still go for it and work very hard, thinking that I'm still gonna make it and and. The, at the end, the result was that I made it, okay? So that was the very first time. Then uh, there was the second time when, by, when I was already at UCLA, and then I went to this audition for a singing group. And when I went there, I, uh, I was auditioning for a group of girls, and they were looking for a Latina. And I went there and I mean, there was a lot of girls there auditioning and they were like Christina Aguilera singers. Like how, that's how good they said. They, they were just very amazing. And I did not, um, I couldn't sing that well. I mean, I was okay, but it was not like, no, I was not even okay. I think I was just very mediocre, uh, but you know, but I could dance, and then I just did the, the I just did the audition, and that was it, right? When I was in that that audition, I came in, and then I I was completely sure that I was not gonna make it because I saw the other girls, and the other girls were much better than me. So uh, there was evidence that I was not gonna make it. There was every single evidence. I even like I remember that the day before, I had lost my makeup. So that day I went in with no makeup on and I couldn't follow their instructions in terms of the singing. They gave me, uh, they gave me parts to sing uh, in a five girl harmony and I could not do that to save my life. I was not even able to do the one harmony, let alone like just crazy ones that they were asking me for. I couldn't, that was another thing. I remember that I was fresh out of Mexico, so I did not know the songs that they knew. It was not, it was just not looking good for me. Nothing was showing me that I was gonna make it, right? So there was every evidence that I was not gonna make it. My accent was strong, I could not sing, and I was not wearing makeup, and whatever, right? So that was that. And then I go home and three days later, they call me and they let me know that I was the one who made it. Out of the girls that went to the audition, I was the one who got picked. So in that, this is the second time this happens, right? So then what am I trying to say here? I think that the, the lesson learned is that you don't want to listen to ideas, even if they're very well put together, even if they're almost like evidence, you know, even if those ideas, those messages are like very backed up by science, even then you do not want to be choosing those messages if they don't take you where you want to go. You want to just ignore them. Because in the end, the truth is that you never know. The truth is that 
that it's not true that everything applies to you all the time. And over and over, there's always people coming up with new ways of beating the odds. And basically, what I've noticed is that when you ignore the odds, you beat the odds because you didn't even know it was even impossible. So the more you know, the, the more you have to not know. Does that make sense? The more you know that you cannot do something, the more you have to let go of that knowledge and ignore it. And then if you can, replace it for another knowledge. Um, because, yeah. So that's that was the second time. Then, uh, I mean, it, it continues to happen over and over. Uh, there was a time where I... Uh, I mean, when I, when I, when I let go of engineering to become an artist, it's not like I thought that I was going to, I, it's not that I thought that I was not going to make it. I didn't even think about it. But one thing that I perhaps thought was that if I, or perhaps entered my mind was that if I stopped being an engineer, then I was going to, then probably my family was not going to like me anymore. And the truth is that that didn't happen. I did, that idea entered my mind, but then I chose to not believe it. And then I said, well, if they don't like me, then whatever, you know? Uh, and I still did it. And then I became an artist and it's been the best decision I've ever taken in my life because I live a life of no regrets. I take everything that I want to do and I just do it. And every single time it's proven to be the right thing to do. Uh, there was a, I mean, there's so, so many, there's so many times this has happened to me. So basically, uh, in the next episode, I'm going to be talking about how to choose, how to differentiate your dreams from the dreams of others. Okay. That's the reason why I, I just want to stop this one here in terms of uh, this idea. This key, the very first one that I'm giving you is this one. If you're looking for a signal, if you're looking for a signal to start doing your dreams, to start following your dreams, this is the signal. If you're looking for a signal to let you know that you can do whatever you want to do, this is a signal. The signal is everything that you hear, every message that you hear from people or from your own head or from a book or from a newspaper or from a news on social media that says that you cannot do something, you can right away choose to ignore it because it's not a truth. It's not the truth. Choose only the messages that empower you. Choose only the messages that make you believe that you can do things. And if you don't find those messages, make them up. Because I can tell you by experience that every single time that you choose you, every single time that you choose your dreams, there's going to be some extreme strange 
uh, strength coming from out of nowhere that is going to help you. It's going to give you the motivation. It's going to give you the resources. It's going to give you the people. It's going to give you the time. It's going to give you the strength, the flexibility, the, I mean, anything. Whenever you really have a dream and then you choose to go for it, something crazy is going to happen and everything is going to work for you. I promise you. So, but this requires that you choose to ignore all the messages that tell you that you cannot do something. If this is the message that you're looking for, then take it. If this is a signal you're looking for, then take it. This is it, and I want to always, always be there for you, always be uh, explaining to you uh, all these ways in which I've been able to follow my dreams, especially by not caring about what other people say, because I just don't believe it. It's worked for me. It can totally work for you, okay? So thank you so much for joining me today.